Hello and welcome to Brailcast. My name is Matthew Horsepool and this month it's confession time. We have been recording over the months and years quite a lot of content for this podcast, but for one reason or another, some of it's never made it into a final episode. And we're going to start to redress the balance this month by taking a step back in time to Site Village, London, which took place at Kensington Town Hall on the 5th and 6th of November 2019. We recorded one or two interviews at that exhibition, one of which is with Jenny Axler, who is the technical support manager for HIMSS in Korea, and Stuart Lawler, who is the manager of Sight and Sound Island. We're going to catch up with them about HIMSS products and other products, Braille products specifically, that are available through Sight and Sound. Next, we're going to go even further back in time and have a conversation with Sean Randall of New College Worcester about his experiences of the L Braille And finally, we're going to return to Site Village London and talk to Liam Smith of Bristol Braille Technology about the Canute. That's all coming up this month on Braillecast. So welcome to Site Village South East. I'm Dave Williams and I'm joined by Stuart Lawler from uh, Sight and Sound Technology and Jenny Axler from HIMSS. Jenny, welcome to the UK. You've come all the way from uh, South Korea. How's it going? Oh, it's good. It's good. Spent a couple of days in France and took the Eurostar here yesterday. So. Now, you've had quite the journey with Braille. Um, you obviously learned Braille as a kid, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. Yes. Uh, in, the, in the US, as people will obviously be able to tell from, from your accent. Uh, and then you, you began working in the Braille industry. So how did, how did all that come about? Um, I first worked for a company called Level Star that made a device that's probably not very familiar outside of the US. It was a little bit of a, ahead of its time. Uh, it was a Linux device. And from there, I, I knew people in the industry, and the job came up in Austin, Texas for the North American office at HIMSS. I was the first person to do um, blindness sales and tech support there. And I was trained in South Korea when I first started as one of the original four staff members in that office. And I really enjoyed that and wanted to be closer to development. So when an opportunity came up, um, they were having sighted Koreans trying to do tech support for blind people in English and it, it wasn't working out well and I thought you know I could actually do that and I would really enjoy that and as I said I wanted to be closer to the development so I wrote to the vice president and actually proposed this and said you know if you think that it would be useful I would really love to um, have the opportunity to work in Korea and he thought it was a great idea so in 2013 we started preparing this and I started working there in January of 2014 so at the end of this year it'll be six years and we, I mean we were talking offline and uh, you were telling me about how Braille has enabled you to learn the, the Korean language Yes, I actually used our HIMSS devices because, of course, they uh, were originally made for Koreans. And the Korean supports the English as well. So to actually read my Korean courses and learn the language, I, I was able to use our devices to do that. And it was it was very, very simple. And it's, it's difficult online. It's better now. But when I first started, there weren't a lot of screen readers, English screen readers, that supported Korean. And so you would just get silent text or question marks or, you know, something. So it wasn't very accessible, except on the Braille Sense, but the Braille Sense turned out to be extremely accessible. So, yes, yes, I used our own devices to learn the language. And did you ever think that, that, that Braille would, would take you to 
the other side of the world, essentially. <laughs> no, um, it's, it's very interesting because it has actually offered unique opportunities for me and working for a Korean company, um, I, it just happens to be sort of the right set of circumstances that, that allowed me to do this. And um, from there, I've been able to travel to other countries I've been to. I recently went to Turkey and Russia. I've been to Israel, Japan, Vietnam, Dubai, um, so many different places. And now I'm, you know, here in, in London, I'm going to Dublin on Friday as well. So it actually, Braille is responsible and HIMSS products are responsible for giving me a lot of, of really incredible opportunities. So speaking of Dublin, uh, all the way from Dublin, uh, is a good friend and a colleague in the industry, uh, Mr. Stuart Lawler with uh, Sight & Sound. Hi, Stuart. Hi, Dave. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. So you've been with Sight & Sound about a year now, is that right? Yeah, just over a year. So I joined in September of 2018 um, to head up Sight & Sound's operations in uh, Ireland and manage the office. Um, we... We started off quite small. We have three staff working with us now, and it's actually been, as you're saying, this is someone the other day. It's, it's hard to believe that you know um, almost 14 months has gone already. Now you are uh, a keen um, Braille uh, user and, and reader, and uh, of course you've got your uh, range of, uh, of Braille products uh, on display here at, uh, at Site Village Southeast. Just very, very briefly, just give us an overview of, of the Braille products that are available from from Sight and Sound, and, and how people uh, can find out more. Sure. So uh, I suppose one of the big things people have been asking us lately is, where's the L Braille? Where's the new L Braille? And we have the new L Braille on the stand uh, here today. Um, the Sparrow have been have been showing this with us over the last two days. Uh, significantly more powerful processor, either an i5 or i7. You can choose. You can choose the amount of RAM you have, and of course, running Windows 10 and JAWS with your Focus fifth um, edition 40 uh, Braille display at present. The 14, I believe, is coming next year. And as we have Jenny in the room, why don't you tell us what you have from Hims? Well, we have from Hims. So yep. we have our obviously our Polaris. Uh, Polaris Mini, which is in my hand at the moment, and the Polaris 32, um, which is obviously an Android note taker, fully featured Android note taker, uh, with all the things you would expect to find on a note taker, like word processing, email, web browsers, uh, calendars, and then obviously because you're on Android, you can you can install anything you want. Um, and then also we have from Hims we have the Cubrail, and I think. I don't know if you've talked about Cubrail on your podcast in the past, but Cubrail is this hybrid between having a Braille input and full QWERTY keys as well. So you have um, a 40-cell Braille display, uh, your, your, your Perkins-style Braille keys, and then your uh, commonly found keys on a Windows keyboard like Alt, Control, Function keys, Arrow keys. So for people who need to, who want to have their primary input as Braille and do a lot of text editing and being able to use standard Windows conventions to be able to do that, the Braille is an ideal solution. Jenny, I'm going to come back to you. What do you think sets Tim's Braille products apart from the, uh, the competition? A lot of it is our form factor and design. We um, really try to design something that users enjoy having in their hands, that they enjoy utilizing. Uh, I think that's one of the things. I think another thing is interface. 
we have tried to do our best to hi, hybrid is a really important word in our, our language as Stuart was just talking about we have this hybrid between um, QWERTY command operation and braille input because we feel like these are the, the two most natural methods it's people who are, are born blind or learn braille at a young age Braille input is more natural for them, but when they learn a Windows computer or a Mac computer, they learn QWERTY keys and QWERTY commands. So this combines the best of both worlds. In the case of Polaris, what we tried to do is combine the traditional note-taker environment with the flexibility of Google mainstream you know, applications that you can get from the Google Play Store. So I think that those are probably the two things, is, is design and form and our interface. We really try to give people what is most natural in whatever situation they're using our products. Android always feels like a bit of a moving target for um, uh, developers basing products around Android. Um, the Polaris, as, as you mentioned there, is your, your Braille note taker, Android uh, base. What, what's next for Polaris, do you think? <laughs> Well, of course, I can't really say very much about what we're working on. I can tell you that uh, Polaris certainly has a future and, and an updatable future. Um, we are not sitting still, and um, although we are running Lollipop, I think that we're able to... Um, there, as I was just telling someone, there really isn't a lot that I have not been able to do. You know, I've been able to find APKs that, that work even if the Play Store says, oh, this isn't compatible. I can find a free one, but, you know, from an APK mirror site that, that is installable and does work, I really haven't found that to be too limited. At the same time, I know that, that it probably will be at some point, and the company is well aware of that. And so we, we certainly are planning... Um, you know, for the future, and I don't think that current Polaris users or purchasers need to be concerned that their product is going to become obsolete. It will have an upgrade path. Um, and other than that, I really can't say much, but I can say that, as I said, Polaris certainly does have a future, and both current and, and new Polaris users will not have to be concerned that they're going to be left out in the cold. Oh, no, no. Um, we'll take care of you. Jenny Axler from HIMS, Stuart Lawler from Sight and Sound. Thank you very much. Now, Stuart mentioned L Braille in that last interview. This is a product which works with Freedom Scientific's focus line of Braille displays, and at the time it was first released in 2017, it was compatible with Focus Braille Displays version 4. Since then, Freedom Scientific have released a fifth edition of its Focus Braille Display line, and the L Braille has been adapted to accommodate the new Braille displays, which is why Stuart was talking about the new L Braille. But when it was first first released in 2017, Sean Randall of New College Worcester was given a test device on loan, both to test it for himself and to test it with his students. Dave caught up with Sean at the time to find out more about his experience and to see ultimately what Sean thought of the product, and we thought we'd bring that interview to you now. He started off by asking Sean to describe the L Braille. Certainly, uh, L Braille is a docking station for the focus braille display and the best way I've, I've found to summarize what the L braille is for someone who isn't a, a braillist really is that it's basically a windows 10 laptop without a screen or a keyboard you can plug a peripheral into it be it a camera a keyboard a mouse a monitor anything you would attach to a computer this isn't the first 
attempt to put a windows machine inside a braille display is it i think your braille had their easy time and seeker also have a product that integrates a windows machine into a braille display what makes l braille different do you think uh, primarily it's that it's a jaws based system so and what you have with the focus braille displays is the ability to completely control the keyboard from the braille display so if i want to press um, i don't know alt and f for the file menu I press a series of keys on the Braille display to simulate an alt and then an F file, and that is what gets sent through to the system, and that's how you navigate. So if you're a JAWS user and you're a Braille user, this is instantly familiar to you, and you've got the full Windows environment backed by the JAWS support for Braille. So now, if someone is doing a PowerPoint presentation or writing a Word document, we can have that document in that format and use it with our hardware. Whereas traditionally, it had to be converted for us into a format that our hardware could manage. How would you describe that learning curve? Yes, this is the problem. If you're a QWERTY keyboard user, it's quite a steep learning curve. But I think it has to be. Um, I wouldn't say, thinking about starting out, that it's any more complicated than learning a Braille note or something similar. It's just a different paradigm. The difference with this sort of thing is that your skills will be immediately transferable uh, to other systems because the operating system isn't a specialist operating system. And you definitely need uh, JAWS to use L Braille, or if you manage yes. to get it to work with any other screen readers? It works with NVDA to a point. The problem we have is the emulation of the shortcut keys, like the control and, and, and shift keys, are done via JAWS. So that's what the Braille display works with best. I mean, you can plug a keyboard into it and screen and use it to run anything you like. But the takeaway factor is the portability and the Braille display, and that's a JAWS-based display. So is Windows or JAWS, are they prerequisites then before you can use L Braille? Or could you start completely from scratch? Often the question I get asked from QTVIs is, when should I start the kids with Braille technology and, and what should we start them on? And often... Uh, you know, a lot of students, younger students, go from using the Perkins to something like uh, Braille Note Apex, which is a fairly closed uh, menu-driven system. And, of course, humanware would say, you know, one of the benefits of Keysoft is that it's a closed environment and you're shielded to some extent from some of the vagaries of Windows. Do you need to know Windows or JAWS before you can use L Braille? Um. <laughs> Certainly to use it effectively, you have to know Windows and JAWS. I would argue it's no more complicated to press the start button and type the word notepad and press enter than it is to flick you know, the power switch on a Braille note, find the notes app, or word processor app, whatever you want to call it, make a document and start typing. It's just a different way of doing the same thing. I wouldn't argue that the Ale Braille way is a harder way of doing it than the Apex way. You've got a unit at the moment that you're evaluating. Have any of your students used it? Yes, I've had six or seven students in the past two days filing through the door to play with it. Some of them really took to it really well. I had one student just an hour or so ago who was glued to the thing, who was completely blown away that he had windows in something the size of a paperback book and he could carry it around on his shoulder and use it just fine. Yeah. I mean, there is a school of thought that says the reason devices like uh, iPhone have been so phenomenally successful over the last 10 years is simply because it isn't Windows. It is an interface that is designed to suit the form factor. And uh, I guess users of 
traditional braille note takers might say well it makes sense to have a ui that is designed for the braille keyboard rather than trying to retrofit a braille keyboard interface to a well mainstream operating system and i see that and i can understand why they may say that from the other sort of angle if you're working in a mainstream job in a mainstream office why not you know there are enough buttons and keys on the braille display that you can press to do the same sort of things if you learn how i don't see that you have to be limited just because your choice of input system is different when it can be made to work so you think that braille input is definitely an important uh, productivity skill that blind students will need going on into higher education and into the workplace yeah without a doubt it's vital we all know the statistics don't we we all know that what one in four blind people has a job, but of those, I'd say some, uh, was it 95% are braillists? There was a very high proportion anyway of the employed blind are braillists, and I think that's a very telling stat. So who should consider it? Students, definitely. People where there are, you know, maybe a young blind person in the family who's going to have the need to read and write. I find it incredibly handy to have around the home to make notes of phone numbers, to look things up, to help my daughter with her spellings, which I wanted at my fingertips, obviously not in my ears. It's just an all-round useful tool. I think Windows has had short shrift in the sort of household sector lately because people love Mac, people love iPhone. But the reality is that if you're going to go to university or get a job, you're going to probably be using Windows, and therefore it's, it behooves us to know the system. And there's no harm in starting young, I think. So you are getting, you're going to buy one? Without doubt. I do so much travelling around on trains that it would be easier to use this than a laptop. And the deal breaker for you, the reason you would buy that rather than another low-cost braille display and a little PC that maybe you could change the PC part later on? Yeah, it's the form factor, the portability. The fact that I've got a bag over my shoulder with something that weighs less than, what, 30 ounces. Uh, I can just use full windows on with one part, you know, one component. It's not a hodgepodge. I love the, the maker movement. I love the DIY aspect of things. I, I do a lot of it myself, but I love the convenience of this thing. It's got a very good battery life. It's got 17 to 20 hours whilst on Wi-Fi. I love sitting in the taxi watching Netflix on the damn thing. It's just a power horse. It just goes on for hours. But why wouldn't you do it on your phone? Well, I did it. I used to do that on my phone, but then I had to charge my phone when I got into work because it eats battery. There's no screen in this thing, so the battery just keeps going for ages. Hmm. They've probably had to make some compromises, have they, to give you that battery life? Yes, I'd say so. But it works as a note-taker, as a web browser, as an email system. It really does work very well indeed. Brailcast is sponsored by Bristol Braille Technology CIC, makers of Canute, the world's first multi-line Braille e-reader. And at Sight Village London, I'm joined by Liam Smith from Bristol Braille Technology. Liam, thanks for coming on the podcast. No problem. Uh, I guess uh, Canute's available now, is that right? Yeah, exactly. So we started taking pre-orders, um, as many of your listeners might have um, seen or heard uh, back in the summer. Um, we're now uh, in, 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 in production. Um, the factory in Wales has started the final production of our first commutes um, this week, and we expect to be shipping at the end of November, early December. Fantastic. And where can people buy it from if they want to do that? Um, so our main distributor is uh, Technovision, um, as you might know, George Bell. Um, uh-huh. So he can uh, ship uh, worldwide. Um, and you can find the Canute on his website if you go to www.bristolbraille.co.uk 
Uh, there's a link through to George's website where you can fill in and get a shipping quote for wherever you happen to live. That's right. We'll also put that in the show notes of Brailcast itself. And the price, Liam? It's 1,895 Great British Crowns, uh, but that's without VAT. Okay, fantastic. But blind people don't have to pay VAT on products that are exactly for or schools. Blind people or schools, indeed. And uh, and how's it going? You, you've sold. You've you've got plenty of pre-orders yeah, coming in. Yeah, really, really well. I mean, to to be honest with you, um, our first batch of Canutes um, is is now very, very nearly sold out. Um, so if you want to get your hands on a Canute um, this side of this side of Christmas, um, then I'd be looking to place an order um, in 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 the next week or 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 two. Um, else you might be waiting until uh, April or March. Okay, thank you very much. And just to just to recap for people, listeners who don't know, the Canute, 360 cells, nine lines of 40 cells on each line. Um, you know, it, it's it is what it is. Can we just hear it refresh? You know, just for just for listeners who yes, of course, heard it, it, it is a little bit quieter than it was. So I'll just press this button here. That's great, and so that's um, the, the braille goes down on each line first, and then it pops back up again uh, with with the new braille. So it takes about nine seconds, just under nine seconds, to refresh a whole page, all 360 characters. Yeah. Um, but the first line refreshes in under a second, and of course, as soon as that first line has refreshed, uh, you can start reading. Yeah. Um, you'd have to be a very fast reader to catch up with. Yeah. And I see we've got some. Yeah, we've we've got go to page. So we've got we've got a proper user interface now, and it's in grade two as well. It is, yes. Yeah, so it defaults to grade two. Um, you can choose to change that to grade one, um, and of course we are going to be looking at adding in other language support as well um, as we build relationships and enter new markets. Absolutely. Well, Liam Smith, thank you very much for coming on Brailcast this afternoon. Not a problem at all, Matt. Liam Smith from Bristol Braille Technology CIC ending this edition of Brailcast. And a reminder that that interview was recorded at Site Village London, which was held on the 5th and 6th of November 2019. And for the absolute latest information about Canute availability, please do contact Techno Vision Systems. Their information is all in the show notes, but their website address is techno-vision.co.uk. That's all for this month. Please do contact us with any feedback you might have. News at brailcast.com is the email address by which you can do that. For now, I've been Matthew Horsepool. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next month.